There are 22 important age milestones as it pertains to your financial journey, and we are going to go through each one of these today. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 178. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing, and you should too. Well, hello everyone. My name is Scott Wellens and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. Now, this is a show dedicated to helping real people that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, a fiduciary, an educator, a Dave Ramsey Smartvester Pro, and a wealth advisor. It is great to be with you today. And today's episode is the important age milestones as it pertains to your financial journey. But before we get to the topic of the day. Just wanted to remind you once again, because I think I told you before, I turned 50 in April of this year. Talk about an age milestone. Now, this might not be one of the financial age milestones, although it actually is, but it certainly is mentally because I turned 20, no biggie. I turned 30, seriously, no biggie. Didn't hurt that I was dating a 23-year-old at the time. I'm not going to lie. And she's my beautiful wife right now, smartest person in the house. And then I turned 40 and I had friends just up in arms going, we are getting so old, but I didn't feel it. I felt fine at age 40. I felt great, but not 50. I thought about turning 50 for a couple of months before I actually did. And I started mentally thinking to myself, Scott, you are old. And then I turned 50. And for two days after that, I continued to have that mindset until, I don't know what happened, but I started thinking about my life, started thinking about the things that I've accomplished, the things that I'm proud of, my family, this business, this podcast, the things that I'm helping in the community. And I thought, you know what? 50 ain't so bad. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right. Done with me and my pity party for 50. Let's talk about the age milestones as it pertains to your financial journey. And the first few are going to pertain to your kids. And it starts with birth, our first milestone. Why is it important? Because when your kids are born, you can name them as a beneficiary to a 529 plan. Let's get investing early for our kids because if we do this and we invest through their college years, let's say they're going or going to a four-year college, we got about 21, 22 years to invest. So we start early. We don't have to contribute as much. We also can start either UGMA or UTMA accounts for the kids as well. The Unifor transfer, gifts to minors, or accounts for minors. And we'll get into that in a little bit more detail in just a little bit. So birth, let's get things going. When your kids are born, that's a milestone. We need to check that box. 
The next important milestone is when your kids turn 13. They no longer are eligible for the child and dependent care credit. Now, this is a huge credit that I hope any one listening to this podcast that has kids and they're going to some sort of daycare center or even adults that are your dependents that are going to some sort of daycare center that there are huge tax credits for you to take advantage of as long as you're under certain income limits. And I believe in 2021, because of The American Rescue Plan Act that was enacted March 11th of this year, that credit for two or more kids in a family went from $4,000 to $8,000. And then I think it completely phases out once you get to $438,000 as adjusted gross income. Huge credit. 13 is big. After 13, no longer qualify. With There are a few exceptions, of course. Next milestone, 18. Lots of things happen at 18. Your child is no longer eligible for the child tax credit, which is huge. And it's been a big topic this year because a lot of us are getting checks in the mail each and every month right now because the government has decided through the Rescue Plan Act to give us half of our credit up front. And they've raised that credit as well. So now when your kids, I believe, are six years or under, they're getting $3,600 as long as you fall under the income levels and aren't completely phased out. There are calculators online to look at to see if you qualify. And you know if you qualify based off of last year's taxes because you're getting checks in the mail. But keep in mind too, my friends, since you're getting half of the credit up front in the mail, you're only going to get half the credit back on your taxes. So it might make you owe on your taxes. Crazy, right? Plus, you're getting that credit based off of your taxes that you filed for 2020. So if you make a bunch more money in 2021 and you're not eligible for the credit, you're going to have to give that cash back. Now, you can go online and cancel that credit, cancel those checks, but I believe you must do it plus your spouse must do it. If you're married, and I heard it's not easy to do, I sat in a client meeting where one client tried to do it right when I was in the meeting and had a difficult time. So age 18, no longer eligible for the child tax credit. Also age 18, your kids, most of them will reach the age of majority. Now this is in most states. What is the age of majority? Well, it's when your kids are adults, they can go buy a pack of cigarettes, they can vote, They are recognized as adults. And if they have an inheritance, well, if it's not in a trust and they, once they reach the age of majority, now they get the money. That's why trusts are so important. People don't like to pay for trust because one, you got to go through the estate planning process. And number two, that trust portion is the most expensive. But if you got a whole bunch of money or you and your spouse pass away and it goes on to your kids, and you don't have that money in a trust, guess what? They're getting that money when they turn 18 in most states. It's also the age of termination for any UGMA or UTMA accounts that you may have started for your kids. And finally, at age 18, your child no longer is subject to the kitty tax. Now, I could do episodes on all of those, and maybe I will, but this particular episode is just going through all of the important milestones. 
So we got through 18, now we're on to 21. Well, 21 is the age of majority in some states. Most states it's 18, some it's 21. And age 21 is the age of termination of some UGMA and UTMA accounts. Okay, moving on to age 24, minor detail, but a child who is a full-time student is now no longer subject to the kitty tax. So at age 18, a kid is no longer subject to the kitty tax unless they're a full-time student. If they're a full-time student, now it's age 24. All right. I'm glad I have that straight. Hopefully you have that straight as well. Moving on to age 26, very important date for your kids because your adult child may lose your health insurance coverage under the Affordable Care Act. So as it stands right now, your kids, because of the Affordable Care Act, can stay on your health insurance if your plan covers your kids. And this just came up in my world because my 23-year-old just got her first full-time job. It turns out that her health care coverage isn't awesome. So because she's not 26, she can still stay on our family plan. And I was under the impression before this podcast that she could stay on it until she was 26 unless she gets married. And guess what? She's engaged. So I thought, well, she can stay on for another year. But children can join or remain on a parent's plan even if they are married, even if they're not living with you, even if they are attending school, even if they're not financially dependent on you, and even if they're eligible to enroll in their employer's plan. So we kept my daughter on our plan. Important date, age 26. All right, now we move all the way from age 26. To age 50. Oh, weren't we just talking about age 50? Well, here's what happened to me this year. I was eligible to make catch-up contributions to retirement accounts like IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, and 457. What does that mean? Well, in 2021, if you're under age 50, you can contribute up to 19500 in your retirement plan. Not me, because I just turned 50. I can contribute an extra 6500 in my 401k, 457, and 403b plan to make a total of 26000 That's a lot. And in IRAs, the normal contribution is 6000 Add an extra 1000 when you turn 50, you can contribute $7,000. And it doesn't matter when you turn 50. So if you turn 50 on December 30th of this year, you still can make all of those catch-up contributions during the year. The other thing that happens at age 50 is you would be eligible for Social Security as a disabled widow or widower. Minor, but super important for some people. Now we move to age 55. At age 55, you're eligible to make catch-up contributions to your health savings account. A lot of people think this is age 50 as well, but it's not until age 55. So in 2021, if you're single and under age 55, you can contribute 3600 to your HSA plan. Now, that's a combination of employee and employer contributions. And if you're in a family, you can contribute 7200 However, once you turn 55, you can contribute an extra $1,000. So you go from $7,200 to 8200 
with a family plan and from 3600 to 4600 as a single. The other big thing about turning age 55, which a lot of people don't understand, is that we have what's called the rule of 55. Now, what's the rule of 55? It means in some employer plans, you can take money out before age 59 and a half without penalty. This is huge for my early retirees. If you are between age 55 and 59 and a half and get laid off, if you're fired or you quit your job, the IRS rule of 55 lets you pull money out of your 401k or 403b plan without penalty. This applies to workers who leave their jobs anytime during or after the year of their 55th birthday. So this is a rule inside of your employer retirement plan, not inside of your IRA. However, there still are ways, if you're an early retiree, to get money out of your IRA using the 72T rule, which is a tax code, an IRS tax code. So there is potential and possibilities, but it's important to understand the rule of 55 for your 401k. Not a lot of people know that this is a rule. And then, of course, we move from 55 then to the next milestone of 59 and a half, which now you're eligible to withdraw money from your IRAs and any other retirement account without that 10% early distribution penalty. A lot of us are aware of that, but we must turn 59 and a half for the IRA unless we're going to institute something like 72T, which I do not recommend you do on your own. You consult a certified financial planner a certified public account or somebody to help you out with that because it gets complicated. Now, when you turn 60, you're eligible to claim Social Security survivor benefits as a widow or widower early at a reduced rate. So normally, you have to wait to collect Social Security, except for if you're a widow or widower and you turn 60, you can collect early. But you have to keep in mind that this will be at a reduced rate. It's still a great benefit because if you need the money, you need the money. Because next we go to the next important milestone, and now it doesn't matter who you are. If you're eligible to claim Social Security retirement benefits, you can do so starting at age 62. Once again, it's considered early, so you will get reduced benefits. For most people, I do not recommend starting to draw Social Security at age 62. Why? Because it's a pretty big hit, number one. If you have the money, if you're an early retiree and you can live off of your retirement accounts and you've developed a great plan to wait before you collect, that break-even age is not too far off into the distant future that you're normally better off waiting. Now, when would you want to collect at 62? Well, if your health is poor, then you certainly want to start collecting because you'll have a harder time reaching that break-even age. A couple other reasons why people collect early. One, because they have to. They were laid off of work. They were downsized. They're injured. They can't get back into the workforce. Well, if you need the money, it's available at age 62. Another reason why people do it is because they think Social security benefits aren't going to be around any longer. And quite honestly, I've done a episode early on, probably in 2016, about my feeling in social security and its longevity. And I think it's time for me to do another episode. I probably will before the end of the year. 
the next important date is 64 years and nine months. Why in the heck is that an important date? Well, that's the start of your initial enrollment period for Medicare. There are three times you can sign up for Medicare. One is during the initial enrollment period. So if you're eligible for Medicare when you turn 65, you sign up during this period, which is the seven-month period that begins three months before your 65th birthday and ends three months after you turn 65. This is your window. This is when you need to sign up. And you don't want to wait until after you turn 65 because you might get delayed benefits. You want to get signed up before. Now, there are times when you wouldn't sign up yet if you're still covered under an employer's plan and that's your better plan and you're still working. There are special enrollment periods. But if you wait, you're going to end up paying a surcharge potentially on your Medicare Part B for the rest of your life. Now, here's another topic that I could do many episodes on or at least one good comprehensive episode on Medicare. But the bottom line, as it pertains to this episode, is get signed up at 64 years and nine months. At age 65 then, which is your next milestone, you are eligible for coverage under Medicare, assuming you had that timely application. You're also eligible for non-medical withdrawals from your HSA without penalty. What does that mean? A lot of us have HSA accounts, health savings accounts, because we belong to a high deductible plan. I love HSA accounts. It's like a traditional IRA going in, you get that tax break. And then when you use the money on approved medical expenses, it comes out like a Roth. It's not taxed. You get the best of both ends. They are awesome. HSAs are awesome. But I had a question just yesterday in one of my meetings with some early retirees saying, Scott, we got a lot of money in our HSA. I love this big deduction that we're getting, but my oh my, do we need to keep contributing? And I said, yes. Why? Well, first, once you turn 65, you can use that money to actually pay premiums on your Part B and Part D. The other reason why is because at age 65, you can take money out of that HSA account for anything you want. Big screen TV, family vacation, whatever you want. There's no 10% penalty for doing it. The only drawback is you have to pay taxes on the money coming out. So in that instance, it acts exactly like a traditional IRA. Tax deduction up front, but then pay taxes when the money comes out. So don't fear though that your HSA is getting a balance that's too high. I would not fear that. There's many ways and you probably will use all that money on healthcare anyway. All right, the next bunch of milestones, they all pertain to Social Security because at 66, if you were born between 1943 and 1954, that's your full retirement age. That's when you collect your full Social Security payment. How do you figure out what that's going to be? Well, go to socialsecurity.gov. I think it's ssa.gov and establish a username and password. And you can see what that amount is estimated currently. And if you're old enough, you may be getting yearly statements in the mail. The next bunch of important milestones are that there are certain people born certain ages where your full retirement age is above 66. If you were born in 1955, full Social Security retirement age is 66 and two months. Born in 1956, it's 66 and four months. Born in 1957, 66 and six months. Born in 1958, 66 and eight months. Born in 1959, 
66 in 10 months. And finally, for everybody else born 1960 or later, age 67 is your full retirement age. That's my full retirement age. That's probably most people listening to this podcast. The next milestone, age 67, full retirement age. And we have three more important milestones before we wrap up this podcast. The first is age 70. Age 70 pertains to Social Security as well. That's the maximum Social Security benefit once you turn age 70. So if your full retirement age is age 67, you don't have to start collecting. If you don't start collecting, you get an 8% raise every single year until you turn age 70. I have clients that are delaying Social Security. They're waiting till age 70 to collect. Why? Oh man, for a lot of reasons. One, if again, you can live off your retirement savings and you're in great health and your plan allows for it and we feel as though you're going to live past your break-even age, Well, let's hold off until age 70. Why else is it important? Because if you're an early retiree and not collecting Social Security and we got your buckets of money in the right place, we're going to start doing crazy Roth conversions in very low tax brackets, 0%, 10%, 12%. For some people, 22% makes sense. But if you're collecting Social Security, there's less of a runway to do these Roth conversions. Now, you should definitely consult with your certified financial planner to figure out some social security optimization. What is best for you and your plan? All right, two more dates. First, 70 and a half. 70 and a half is still an important number. It used to be the date when you had to start taking required minimum distributions from your traditional IRAs and traditional 401ks. Now 70 and a half is important because this is the age when you can start making qualified charitable distributions directly from your IRA to the qualified institution to get your tax deduction. This is so important because right now we live in an age with a really high standard deduction. So we start giving away a few thousand dollars. We're not even getting that full deduction that we deserve for giving our money away. Well, at age 70 and a half, we don't have to worry about it anymore because when we make contributions directly from our IRA, we get that full deduction. That's a super important time period. And finally, last one, age 72 is now the time when you need to start taking required minimum distributions out of your qualified IRAs and 401ks because eventually the government wants their money. So all money that's in your traditional IRA, your traditional 401k, 403b, 457, eventually will all get taxed. The government is going to start it at age 72. There's already talks about raising that required age, but at 72, I like it because again, it gives us a nice runway to do some awesome things with either Roth conversions, or other fun tax tricks where we can get more dollars that are going to our plan and less dollars legally to the government. And there you have it, the 22 important age milestones. So my guess is this. 
you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you're listening to other financial podcasts, you're reading a lot. If you're listening to a financial podcast, you're kind of a nerd. You knew a lot about a lot of these days. But my guess is you didn't know everything. You didn't know everything with these dates in the importance. And now you can apply it to your life. You can apply it to your financial plan. You can apply it to your spreadsheet when you're working these numbers and trying to figure out when you're going to retire and what are the tips and tricks you can use along the way in order to have an early retirement in order to think about Social Security, to think about your kids when they're born, to think about when they might receive an inheritance if you pass away before they turn 18 or 21, to start to plan for healthcare for your kids as they're graduating for college, that they're still eligible on the plan. Thinking about age 50 and max contributions and how you might be able to do it when you got the kids out of the house And now you have more disposable income for all of these catch-up contributions. Thinking about Social Security maximizing all of these dates are so incredibly important that you need to be thinking about. And if it's overwhelming to you, hey, you should seek out a certified financial planner. And there's great ones out there. Look for one that's fee-only. If you're having trouble and you like what you hear on this podcast, consult me. Scott at bestinwealth.com. Let's have a conversation and talk about your situation and see if you might be a good fit for Fortress Planning Group. But until then, keep being a family steward. Stay on top of these age requirements. Stay on top of your family and be the best family steward you can be. All right, this is the the end of the road for me. My time is up, but I will see you win. On the flip side, bye-bye, everybody. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.